this is What Fresh Insight, a show that looks at the big questions from new, unexpected angles. Who are we? What is really going on? And how do we bring good into this mundane, sublime, spiritual, and sometimes silly world of ours? I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician, and today I want to talk about 2021 and why I think it has been such an incredibly difficult year. I hope these insights help you put the year into context. I realize we've all had very different things in our years, uh, but we've shared some commonalities as we continue to walk through the pandemic. A quick thing before I dive into these insights, it is pouring rain where I am, (laughs) kind of fitting into the year. So if it sounds like it's raining on the audio, it's because it is raining. I record this um, in the second floor of my house, so I'm like right under the eaves. And sometimes it's kind of a kind of noisy, but also a it's kind of a comforting sound a little bit. Maybe not so much on a podcast, but at least in person it's comforting. So 2021, what a year. I'm going to start out with some of the obvious things, but then I have five insights that I think will shed some light onto why this year has been difficult in a way that isn't like, well, you know, it's inflation or it's, you know, I'm afraid of getting sick. Uh, insights that are that are not not as obvious. But to start with the obvious, uh, we have the fear of getting sick. We have the fear of death. We have, as I said, inflation. Um, we have been either in the vicinity of death, like in in terms of like our close uh, relationships, or we have seen a huge uptick in the deaths in our extended circle and more cosmically in just seeing numbers in news reports seeing global numbers, knowing that a lot of these numbers are underreported, and realizing, wow, this is taking a huge toll on us as a society, as a civilization, as a, as a citizen of the world. It's, it's a, it's been a lot in those ways. Um, And then of course there's, to continue with the obvious things, there's changes in our workflow. Are we in person? Are we not in person? What's happening with childcare? I was I was talking with people about childcare recently, and they assumed that I didn't have childcare. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have full time childcare for both of my children. It's just that they're not allowed to go. Like my five year old is not allowed to go to school if he has a runny nose. That's um that's not how it usually is, <laughs> and certainly not how it would have been in the past for you know when older people think about um you know how it was when their children were in school. So we have all these obvious things about why this has been a hard year, but I want to think about the underlying structural things that have made this pretty difficult. Uh, the first one is that I think that we have been living in suspense. And as the people that we are, we want to find the light at the end of the tunnel. We don't want to stay in the tunnel. We want to have a nice uh, narrative arc to what's going on. And being in suspense means that we haven't been able to plan, or if we have planned, our plans have been continually taken apart. And many of us, you know, we like to have things to look forward to. And then we want those things to actually happen. You know, I planned the birthday party and then we had the birthday party. I was looking forward to it. And then we did this really fun thing together in community. And when you aren't able to plan it, or when you're planning it and then it falls to pieces, that's really hard on us. And for it to continually happen over and over and over again, that's a big challenge. Related to that, insight number two, is that we want to make the narratives. Where That's a really common part of being a human person. We want to make narratives out of our lives. And that's one way that we make sense of the bad things that have happened to us in the past. We look at, you know, here's a bad thing that happened, and then we kind of make a story out of it. And that gives us, um, gives us some sense of closure. Well, 
we haven't been able to get to the end of this narrative. Um, I've heard I've heard the phrase, you know, if it's not okay, it's not the end. Well, it's not okay, and we're not at the end. And when we're continually living in that narrative of it is bad, we don't get we don't get to the end. We don't get the closure. And something that I also think about is oftentimes when we are in a difficult situation, we don't really share it with other people until we have at least some pause in the story. Um, we're waiting for the diagnosis, and then we share people, oh, I've been diagnosed with thus and such. Or um, I think about how I've approached having miscarriages, which I've had many. I didn't mention it at the time to people, but then later on I would say, oh, so this summer I was dealing with multiple miscarriages. But I didn't say things in the moment because, you know, that's stressful. That's private. That's, you know, I don't want to cry on people. I don't want to, all these, all these kinds of reasons that we have for not telling something as it's occurring when it's bad. Oh, I lost my job. Well, you might not say you lost your job until you find a new job or you're ready to start searching for a new job. And what we're going through right now is a continually hard thing. And who wants to be the complainer? Who wants to continually say, oh my word, this is so, so, so hard. But if we don't say that, and we never have a point in which it's okay to say that because the bad thing is in the past, well, we're continually living with these narratives that are unresolved, that don't have not the, not necessarily a pretty bow, but a sense of closure, at least an end to the chapter. And we don't have an end even to the chapter, much less the end of the pandemic book. A third insight. Uh, and this one is from Jenny Smith, who wrote an essay about the second marathon. And she wrote it specifically to pastors who have been dealing with, you know, are our, our churches going to be open? Are they going to be closed? We've been online. Now we're in person. How do I deal with these kinds of things? And she used the metaphor of a marathon, rather a second marathon, to say, well, you had to pace yourself for the first marathon. And then we got to the summer and realized, oh, things are not as good as we thought they were going to be. Now we're entering the second marathon, but we never recovered from the first marathon. We went through that hard first season of the pandemic. We never had a chance really to fully recover from that. And then we're plunged back in to the second marathon. And I think that that's the case, not just for pastors, but for Many, many of us who have been um, cautious in terms of the pandemic, who have had jobs that have left us somewhat isolated or jobs that have plunged us right into the thick of things, uh, we haven't had a chance to recover from them. And here we are back into a second marathon or ride. I don't know at this point, is it a third marathon? Regardless, we haven't been given a chance to recover. And so even if we have been pacing ourselves, even if we have been, you know, be kind to yourself, even if we have been kind to ourselves, it's still been incredibly difficult and we haven't had a chance to recover ourselves. Fourth insight. If this sounds like a recipe for anxiety, uh, it is. And I would put myself into the category of, oh yeah, I've been acting anxiously. And I think that that's the case for most of us. I think most of us are in some ways acting out of anxiety or out of fear. And that is not um, our best self. Our best selves are not anxious and acting out of anxiety. Our best selves are not acting out of fear. But most of us, that's where we are. We're very stressed and that makes us snap at each other. And that doesn't mean we're bad. That doesn't mean we don't have love in our hearts. It means that we're really stressed out, that we're really fearful, that we're anxious. And when you are in that kind of setting for a long time, it wears out your body, it wears out your spirit, and then you don't always act in the best of ways. Now, related to that is insight number five. We can't always trust people to care about their neighbors. And to me, that has been maybe the hardest part of this. Uh, I think when the pandemic started, I thought, oh, people are 
you know, giving their all to help, help, you know, calm the rate of this, of this, the spread of this disease. We're pulling together. We're in this together. And I'm an internal optimist. I truly thought that when the vaccine came out, most people would, if they had an opportunity, would get vaccinated and would say, oh, great, this is, I I can do this for my country, for my society, for my family, for my city, whatever is, you know, their their people group. And um, I don't think that that has been the case for a lot of people. I think related to that, at least in, in the United States, has been a loss of a sense of having basic shared beliefs and values um, in terms of respect for each other, in terms of care for our country, in terms of respect for political processes and legal processes. Uh, that has really torn apart our trust in each other. And when trust is broken down, it's re- I mean, it's really hard to gain back and may take years to gain back. So when we can't trust people to care about their neighbors, when we can't trust ourselves necessarily, going back to the anxiety thing, when we can't even trust ourselves to act in the best and most loving of ways, and we do that for months and months and months, that's that's really hard. So those are the five uh, reasons that I think this this year has been so incredibly difficult, in addition to the obvious reasons. We have been living in suspense. We want to make narratives, but we haven't been able to. We're running a second marathon or perhaps a third marathon at this point without ever having recovered from the first. We're dealing with anxious people and ourselves are anxious. And we can't trust our neighbors to care about other people. We've lost a lot of trust in each other. So that's kind of a dismal way to end the year. Um, Maybe I should pause right now to let the rain pour in. There's a, you know, it's drip, drip, drip uh, pretty constantly here in St. Louis. And I feel, though, that this is a kind of into the chapter. It's the end of 2021. And it is important to pause and say, here's where we are. Here's where we are. And it's difficult. And we can end a chapter of our lives in a difficult spot. We know that there's another chapter. We know that life goes on. And we can say, yeah, this this chapter ended in a hard place. This has been a really hard chapter of our lives. Let's see what the next chapter brings. Time for a read of the week. I recently read Green Glass House by Kate Milford. And I sometimes think that if you really enjoy a genre, you can read like the best of the genre and you can read stuff that's kind of you know, not the very, very top, and you can really enjoy it because you like that type of genre. Um, But I feel like when you read outside of your favorite genres, often you really only want to read the best. And I've I've been trying to think, have I ever read a juvenile mystery before, like in that genre? I don't know that I ever have. Like I remember as a kid, like reading like Sherlock Holmes, that's not quite juvenile mystery. So I don't know if I've read a juvenile mystery before. I couldn't think of one. But guys, this is so, so good. Green Glass House is about a 12-year-old who is, the reason I'm thinking of it right now in December is, he's on his winter holiday. And it's a couple days before Christmas, and he lives in a hotel that his parents own, and suddenly a bunch of guests start arriving, and then mysterious things happen. And uh, you know you know how it is with a good book, when you, you are in the middle of reading it and you can't put it down, but also you start recommending it to everybody. So um, I have now like arm twisted my husband into reading this. I've like sent uh, photos of the like images of the of the cover to various friends like, oh guys, this is so good. I bet your kids are big enough to enjoy this. My kids are not quite big enough to enjoy this, but it's now on my list. Like literally I have a list of like books to read when my child is like seven instead of five. Oh guys, it's so good. Green Glass House by Kate Milford. 
All right, y'all, to close this out, something delightful. For Christmas, my five-year-old was given this game called Stories of the Three Coins, and it's kind of an elaborate uh, choose-your-own-adventure, Mad Libby, guided storytelling adventure, and you have like multiple pathways that you can go down, and it has been so fun, um, in part seeing what my five-year-old comes up with, like these just crazy things that he where he takes the narrative, but also being able to develop stories with him and and to see a whole bunch of other grown-ups like join in in very silly, very silly stories, in part to delight a five-year-old, like to give the gift of delight to a five-year-old, but also just to enjoy each other's company and to stretch a certain muscle that we don't always use, like how many of us routine, routinely tell silly stories. Well, this has been a way to enjoy that together and... Um, stretch that muscle for ourselves so stories of the three coins that's it for this episode of what fresh insight you can find me sarah bariza online at sarah-bariza.com b-e-r-e-z-a and since we're heading into the new year i feel like i should tell you i am restarting my newsletter in january so if you would like to get onto that you can subscribe on my website it's free and contains updates and insights and mundane things of life but hopefully good things i'll be back next week with another episode of what fresh insight